to the Changemakers LA podcast. My name is Tanua Thrash Intuk, and I'm the Executive Director for the Los Angeles Office of the Local Initiatives Support Corporation. In today's episode, we'll be talking about economic inclusion in the city of Long Beach, and I've got several special guests here that I'm excited to have in the office and on the phone. Here in the office, we've got uh, James Alva. He's the Senior Vice President and Market Manager for Community Development at City. Citibank, that is. He's responsible for managing a multi-million dollar budget, supporting Citibank's strategy to develop the most underserved communities across Southern California. Welcome, James. Thank you, Tanua. Great. We also have in the room Kim Marie Tabari. Kim is a project manager at USC Program for Environmental and Regional Equity, also known as PEER by many who know uh, this program at USC. She actively engages in social, racial, economic, and environmental justice work, and she does that to cultivate a racially just organization and community. Welcome. Glad to have you, Kim. Thank you for having me. Hi. <laughs> Great. We also have here John Keisler. John is the Economic Development Director at the City of Long Beach, where he is responsible for creating economic opportunities for workers, investors, and entrepreneurs throughout the city. John, we're glad you made the trip on over. Thanks for being here. Thanks for including me. Great. And also joining us remotely is Jamila Henderson. Jamila is the Senior Associate at PolicyLink. And Jamila works on equitable economic development. Uh, she works on that team there and focuses on the National Equity Atlas. And she uses that data to advance equity and inclusion. Um, thank you all for being here, Jamila. Thanks for joining us. Great to be here. Thanks for patching me in. Okay, great. So as you can hear, uh, listeners out there, we've got a powerhouse of individuals who are working on some of the buzzwords that we're hearing a lot about out there, equity, economic inclusion, um, racial justice, all of these things kind of coming together. Um, let's talk a little bit about what does economic inclusion really even mean? Uh, what, what does that mean when someone says that nowadays? Who'd like to start? Well, Tanua, in the city of Long Beach, um, economic inclusion has become the focus of our of our new economic strategy. And what it means to us is is maximizing every aspect of the economy. In some cases, that's property. It could be a corridor in the city that could be a, uh, create more opportunity for people. And sometimes it could mean um, the, the people uh, that you have, making sure that they're contributing as much as possible and reaching their potential to grow the overall economy for everyone. Great. Yeah, it's really important that we grow the overall economy. Um, Jamila, you all have been working on this uh, nationally and looking at uh, economic equity uh, and economic inclusion. What does that mean um, and what have you been learning across the country? Sure. So economic inclusion would expand opportunities for those who historically have been left behind, low-income communities, communities of color, and immigrant communities by promoting strategies to lift these groups out of poverty um, and to dismantle institutional and structural barriers that have pre prevented these groups from reaching their full potential. Wow. So one of the things that is exciting about this conversation is that while PolicyLink is working uh, nationally, um, really we're focused on looking at what's happening in the city of Long Beach and knowing, John, that the city um, has really put a focus on this so that all of its residents can participate is fantastic. 
Um, part of that work is really understanding from uh, a data perspective of what's happening around economic inclusion. Kim, would you share with us uh, a bit about sort of what does economic inclusion mean and why a university would be interested in that? Yeah, sure. So um, for a lot of the data that we looked at, economic inclusion had a lot to do with um, cities being transparent and accountable on how funds are allocated. So um, what what part of the city is being uh, is getting funds for particular projects. Also making resources accessible for residents, right? So really this, this notion of um, a well-roundedness well as far as how the residents are relating to the city, how the city is relating to the residents. So inclusion in its real sense, and you can see a lot of that coming through the data. Great. Now, um, often folks are, are wondering, you know, what is the banker doing in the room, right? Uh, James, I see you smiling. Um, there certainly is a role for uh, the banking community, for the financial industry. Tell us, why is Citibank so interested in economic inclusion? So, um, thanks, you know, when we think about economic inclusion, for us, we look at opportunities for uh, communities to build assets. And the reason for that is we're looking at opportunities for communities to really close the wealth gap. And when we look more specifically at the racial wealth gap in this country, it's higher than it's ever been and projected to get even higher over time. And as a bank, if we feel like we are not using our corporate dollars to invest intentionally to help um, economic equity and specifically racial economic equity, we feel like this country is headed in direction that might be difficult for us to catch up in the future. So we have to be focused on these things now in an intentional way to make sure that we are building communities across the U.S. so that we have economic opportunity in the future as well. So we've had an opportunity to really get uh, some data from the USC peer program. PolicyLink has been part of leading that. Um, Citibank has been uh, an investor in that work so that we have the resources to get it done. And the city of Long Beach has um, really, you know, been a partner as part of this. I should mention that the Local Initiative Support Corporation is also actively involved in convening tables uh, to promote economic inclusion in Long Beach. So speaking specifically about what's happening in Long Beach, um, what do we know as far as some of the uh, strengths for the city of Long Beach um, in our effort to move towards economic inclusion? And then what are some of the challenges we are seeing out there? John, you've probably taken a look at this and have some mm -hmm. thoughts. Yeah, Tanua. So one of the one of the main strengths that Long Beach has had historically is is its diversity, and I mean that from a, a, a an economic sense. So there's a diversity of sectors. There's a diversity of industries, um, which presents. Um, all kinds of different job opportunities um, that pay at different levels uh, across the, the economic strata. We also have a real diverse community when it comes to, to race and culture. We have um, large immigrant communities. And so um, that diversity can be a tremendous strength when it comes to um, tapping into to different markets, new and creative, innovative ideas, um, and, and bringing um, all of those different cultures together. The challenges is that we see tremendous disparity. So when you have diversity, a lot of the time what will happen is you'll have diverse groups of people, diverse industries, um, living next to each other, but not necessarily being inclusive. And you'll have certain sectors that, that don't include either certain parts of the city or certain groups of people within the city. 
So our goal is to take a look at those strengths and figure out where we can close the gaps, um, create on-ramps and off-ramps so that people are able to move in and out of these job uh, uh, opportunities as well as to work together toward uh, creating something more. Absolutely. So um, Jamila and Kim, uh, when you looked at the data, that strength that John is talking about, we know that um, you've got we've got a young population in Long Beach. Mm-hmm. We have very diverse populations in Long Beach. Tell us a little bit about those statistics, and then let's move into what did the data tell us about what some of those challenges are um, that John has surfaced. Yeah, the diversity is definitely a strong asset in Long Beach. You know, you've got your Black community, the Latinx community very small Native community, a pretty large Asian and Pacific Islander community, um, the white community that's dwindling. And the Asian population is really diverse, right? You've got folks from, you've got Japanese folks, Chinese, Filipino, Vietnamese, Korean, Lao, Thai, Cambodian. So it's incredible, incredibly diverse, even within, um, so like there's diversity within diversity. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but what are, the, what are some of those statistics? The diverse population represents a total of how much for Long Beach's residents? Um, Jamila, do you have that stat handy? To break down by race and ethnicity? Yeah, just the overall. Mm-hmm. Um, is it 70, about 76% of the total uh, population in Long Beach is diverse? So about 28% of the city, city's population is white. 42% are Latino or Latina. Black, Native American, Asian or Pacific Islander, and others compromise or comprise, excuse me, about 30% of the population. And as Kim mentioned, uh, the Asian population, um, as well as other populations, is very diverse. Um, so Long Beach is a majority people of color city, and it has been for several decades. And it actually is ahead of the, the national trend in becoming majority people of color. So in that sense, Long Beach has I think an opportunity to serve as a model for other cities and the nation on how to uh, create innovative policies that acknowledge and recognize the city's diversity and create opportunities uh, for all Long Beach residents. And I'd like to, um, to know if I can sure. just um, piggyback on something that Jamila is talking about in terms of Long Beach being this model. So I work in Southern California, that's my responsibility. I have five peers in the U.S. We are in the six most urban markets in the U.S., but these are big population centers. When I think about Long Beach and what Long Beach is today, it is like what many of those cities will be decades from now because of its diversity. Long Beach, to me, is a city that's both large enough so that it represents an urban population that we can test out certain things, but also small enough to be nimble and innovative. And for me, that is one of the reasons that we at Citibank have invested almost half a million dollars over the last 24 months or so on different programs that enhance equity in the city of Long Beach because we are taking those learnings from what we're doing with Long Beach and applying those to other parts of the country. That's fantastic. It's great to really get into, we've got the strength, we know that the diver- there's strength in that diversity. We know there's some challenges and we'll uh, give people an opportunity to be referenced towards the work that PolicyLink and USC Peer did to show what some of those are. But we also have folks ready and really a commitment of the folks around the table to focus on what are some of the solutions um, to try and overcome some of the challenges. 
So let's talk about what can we do with the data that we have here? What are some of the policies and programs we might be looking at implementing in order to build on that strength uh, while overcoming those challenges so we can have a, a long growth and strong economy for the city of Long Beach? Jamila or Kim, you want to start us out with that one? Yeah, so I'll, I'll start us out with just in terms of the education and um, policing policies and programs. And so that is found on page 15 of the policy. And those, those charts show the disparity for children in the readiness indicator. For the profile, we looked at demographics, economic vitality, connectedness, readiness, and economic benefits, those five indicators. And so particularly in the readiness one, we found that third graders, for third graders, 36% of black students are proficient in math versus 77% of their white counterparts. And for reading, 35% of black students are proficient versus 75% of their white peers, right? As they get older and, they get into high, and they're getting out of high school, 43% of the black students and 45% of the Latino students are really prepared for the UCCSU requirements versus 68% of the white and Asian students. So those statistics are really startling in terms of how ready students are either in third grade or getting out of high school. And some of the policies um, we suggest would be to really enhance early childhood education, sort of a critical to putting youth in, on a path to success. Currently, there is a five-year early childhood education strategic plan that Long Beach has in place. There's also other best practices in Florida and D.C. Mm. that the city can also learn from. Jamila, did you want to add anything else to education? No, that's great, Kim. Okay. Thanks. I, I, I want to have Jamila, did you have an area that you wanted to jump in here on as well? Um, what kinds of, what from the challenges that we have uh, surfaced through the analysis and through the data, what direction can we go or might we go in one area to try and overcome those challenges? Yeah, there were several policy recommendations included in the summary that were lifted up during the community engagement process and as part of the research, um, but I can um, highlight uh, sure. a couple examples or one example. So yeah, equitable great. contracting and procurement policies is one. So municipalities spend you know, money on goods and services from major construction projects to food, supplies, consulting, and this public spending could be seen as a lever for fostering more equitable economic development so that underrepresented entrepreneurs like firms owned by people of color and women have greater greater access to business opportunities. And an added bonus of, the, of that is that businesses owned by people of color are more, are more likely to hire employees of color and to generate increased economic activity uh, in communities of color. And this could address some of the issues around high unemployment rates, particularly in the black community. 12% uh, unemployment rate compared to 7% unemployment rate overall. Yeah. Well, you know, this conversation is certainly about acknowledging what the statistics say. I mean, Kim, the statistics around the readiness for third graders is startling for African-American students to know that only 35% of them are ready in comparison to uh, closer to 75% of their white counterparts. Um, and that, you know, speaks to education not just being an issue for the school district, but, you know, it's an issue for our city because we're looking at having a population that's coming up that's young, that's of color, 
um, and what impact that might have on then the ability to own businesses and have successful businesses and be able to uh, even take advantage of some of the spend um, that the city has available. So these are um, definitely uh, some challenges, but I'm you know, glad to hear that there are some things that might be out there and on the horizon and that the city's doing in order to make sure that there's access to capital and that there's an opportunity for workers and businesses today uh, to be able to be part of ownership structures. Um, John and, and James, you want to talk a little bit about um, some of the programs that um, you're moving forward with right now to try and address some of those challenges? Absolutely. So, so there's there's two pieces. The the long term strategy, I think, uh, of education, early childhood edu- education, is absolutely essential because that's the future of our city. That's the future of our workforce. Um, but we also want to focus on the providers, the people who are uh, providing for those those children now, and we need to help them make more money. And so, when we look at it. Um, Uh, from the city's perspective, you know, there's workers, there's investors, there's entrepreneurs, there's really three ways that people are making their money. And uh, median household income is a a real priority for us because we know um, that higher median household income allows for resources to do a lot of other stuff, whether it's childcare, whether it's spending more time with your child, healthcare, a lot of the other uh, social determinants are driven by uh, or correlated to how much money the household is making. And so we're looking a lot at um, inclusive entrepreneurship because that's a way to build wealth, uh, to make money quickly. Um, you don't need a degree to open a business. Now it's hard. It requires tremendous hard work. So you need to have ecosystem support throughout um, the city as well as um, inclusive uh, resources. So looking at access to capital issues for um, new entrepreneurs uh, that don't traditionally get served by the commercial lending market. Uh, we've partnered with LISC. LISC has been a tremendous leader in our community to help us introduce no interest, no fee loans um, through Kiva. Uh, we also look at um, other uh, resources that we can provide through uh, federal workforce development dollars um, to try and reach communities through our community-based organizations. So we work with our United Cambodian community to deliver workforce development programs. And they've even hired a business navigator to work in that immigrant community and provide culturally appropriate resources uh, for entrepreneurs. So it it really is focusing on the long term through education, but also now helping people make more money so they can provide for their kids, boost that median household income, and uh, through business development, hopefully build more wealth. And James knows the numbers. Uh, it, they're, they're stunning when it comes to wealth building through uh, ownership. Yeah. And, and, and thanks, John, for introducing that. And I think it's it's great to think about entrepreneurship as a way to uh, build wealth. And as the cost of housing has continued to increase and owning a home is becoming more and more difficult, it's therefore becoming more and more difficult, particularly for communities of color, to build wealth through home ownership. So that has its own set of strategies and solutions, and I'm glad that Long Beach is looking at some creative options there. Um, But on the entrepreneurship side, that is definitely a way in which communities of color in particular can build wealth. And so how do you create those pathways to do that? I'm glad that you mentioned the Business Navigator uh, United Cambodian Community. We are happy to have provided the funding so that United Cambodian Community has access to those sorts of services. But the other thing I will applaud the city of Long Beach on is you hear many cities really focused on startups, 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 and that is definitely important. You want to create that culture of innovation, but you also want to focus on the existing businesses. And you have this resource right there in your backyard. How do you retain those businesses? And then how do you look at businesses that are on the verge of um, their employees, their owners retiring, giving that as an opportunity for the employees of that company Mm -hmm 
So I applaud the City of Long Beach for really thinking along those lines and um, LISC for doing a lot of that work in Long Beach are starting to, to think about how to implement employee ownership structures within retiring businesses in Long Beach as a means for their employees to build wealth. And we are very happy to be a partner in that work um, as one of the funding partners and think it's really the, front, the next frontier for building wealth in this country. Wow, that's exciting. I just want to add one other thing, which is actually not in the profile, but something that I learned recently, the local control funding formula that's mandated by the governor for California is really helping our city, particularly the students in Long, in Long Beach. Um, they're given, and I, I want to say, oh, I want to say $90 million, but don't quote me on that. But a lot of money going into Long Beach um, Unified School District to help um, high-need students. And what I also learned was that 70% of the students in Long Beach are fall into that category of high-needs, which, which is astronomical. And so thinking about what are some of those root causes that have these kids as high-needs going to school, it ties back to how their parents are surviving in the city, which ties back to the city politics and the city governance. So it all really works hand in hand. So what you're doing on your end with asset building and building wealth and um, helping parents has a direct correlation to how students are, fa are faring when they go to school. Because 70% of our kids being high needs is an, is an astronomical um, amount. And so I'm, I'm excited to see that there's funding available for those students to get mental health support, to get tutoring, and there's some community engagement happening as well with those funds, and um, just challenging the city to figure out how to best work with the school district. Yeah, this is great. I mean, it's multifaceted, so there are all different topics that we're talking about um, that the equity profile went over in terms of economic vitality, education, um, you know, wealth and, and ownership opportunities. But we've also, um, the city has recognized as well as the funding and philanthropic, philanthropic community is recognizing that there are some immediate things that maybe we can do to help entrepreneurs, to help workers, um, but at the same time really be building towards a future, um, looking at education and trying to connect additional resources. Um, so this work, you know, is not done by one group or you know, one city, one department in the city, John. Um, it's not done by one department at a university or one nonprofit organization. Um, what do you all think it's going to take um, as we close out our conversation? Uh, partnership seems to be really key. How do you think that partnerships in uh, really trying to put an economic equity and economic inclusion lens on things, how important is that and how has that worked out for Long Beach? I think. I think it's important to really have all the stakeholders at the table, and so by stakeholders I mean residents, business leaders, students, K-12, students in colleges, Long Beach City and Cal State Long Beach, grassroots organizations like Success and Challenge or um, ECR Communities for Environmental Justice, again Lesbian Center, they all have different needs and they all live in the city together. So it's really important to have a lot of those voices at the table. And the roles may vary. So some of those stakeholders are going to work with city government, with the city officials to craft legislation. Some are just going to use their voice to push for accountability and transparency in the city. And others will just be a space that people can go to help build power or to be a space for folks to go and heal, right, from whatever traumas that they're, that they're experiencing. So it's really critical to have all the stakeholders at the table. That's my first 
reaction. And I would I would agree with that. Is developing a process by which you you get that input from non-traditional sources. And I think that there's systems in place that we've used to get feedback about what's going on in the city, and, and in many ways that system has left a lot of people out. Um, but I also think there's a cross-sectoral partnership and collaboration that has to happen. Um, and an example of that is that uh, a really important issue of equity that has emerged through our, our research has to do with uh, digital connectivity and, in, and what we call digital inclusion. And this is an example of something that's affecting the economy in major ways, information technology, the access to the internet, and getting uh, every single resident, every single student, every single family connected to the internet so that they can tap into the economy um, is going to be a cross-sectoral solution that involves the private sector who owns the, the fiber network and, and the, the carriers that provide that service to the home, but the city and the government in partnership with the universities have to lead the effort in creating incentives and partnerships to reach those places that the private sector won't go. And so City is another example of using its resources to incentivize or invest in new markets um, that help to connect all parts of your economy, all parts of your community. Jamila, across the country, how important has uh, collaboration and partnerships been in the economic inclusion space? Oh, it's extremely important. Um, I would echo what what others have said, and, and it just reminded me, um, particularly, sorry to take it back local, but to Long Beach, if we're talking about collaboration and ensuring that all can participate and have a voice, I do want to make sure that we um, you know, recognize the diversity and um, how mu multilingual Long Beach is. And so uh, the, the city does have an inclusive uh, language policy, um, and it's, that's essential to civic engagement, but just ensuring that um, that that policy is adopted kind of across um, city departments and services uh, will be key um, in ensuring that all can participate and engage. James? So I, when I think about the work that we do as both a funder and a collaborative partner, uh, we are really attracted to organizations that ha don't necessarily have all the answers and approach us and say, we recognize that we may have had these challenges, but we'd like to have some solutions going forward. So there's a certain attractiveness to that humility, recognizing that this is where we're at, but this is not necessarily where we want to go, and engaging us as a thought partner and thinking about here's the challenge that we're having, how can we solve the challenge? And we have definitely seen that with the partners around the table, led by Long Beach um, and LISC and USC, Peer and, and PolicyLink, all have been this great example of partnerships and how this can work and be really attractive in particular to, to the funding community as well. Great. I know that this process didn't necessarily start with just all of us in the room. Uh, we are part of the City of Long Beach's Economic Blueprint mm -hmm. um, that we want to shout out to Councilman Rex Richardson for taking up the mantle on economic equity and creating the Everyone In Initiative Economic Inclusion um, that has really led us down this path towards looking at more comprehensive policies and solutions today and building upon those in the future uh, to support a strong Long Beach economy for all of its residents. We want to thank you for joining us this week on the Change Makers Los Angeles podcast, episode nine, Economic Inclusion in Long Beach. We appreciate and really thank our valued guests for being here today, for being part of this conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to subscribe and let us know what you thought about the Los Angeles List Change Makers podcast. Thank you for listening to LA List Changemakers LA podcast. 
This podcast was made possible by a generous grant from the City Foundation to support high-impact community organizations that are driving economic opportunities in their communities. If you would like to support LA LISC or learn more about our work, please visit us online at www.lisc.org backslash Los hyphen Angeles and follow us on Twitter at LA underscore LISC. Production support was provided by Samantha Salmon and the Donias. You can find the rest of the series on SoundCloud or iTunes. Subscribe to LA List page to hear more conversations about the people and places that shape Los Angeles.